so yeah, I was thinking about it on the drive home today. And basically, like, we're not everybody's this way, but there's a, or not, I mean, not the whole world. In first world countries where we're all digitally connected, like, now we are faced with the challenges that come with the ability to to manifest a collective human consciousness yeah. digitally. Yeah, it's like an early, it's like hive mind beta. <laughs> I mean, literally people, they're starting to talk alike. They're starting to think alike. And it's not like everybody's being the same, but it's like everybody's globbing together into groups. And you, you're starting to see like the patterns among a group. Mm-hmm. And that's totally the internet. Mm-hmm. It's happening quickly. And I think the biggest danger we face, like what we're able to work through, I guess, with some of the tools we're presenting is like the danger is uh, allowing the digital consciousness to replace your personal consciousness interesting (laughs) i wouldn't have thought that right from the jump i feel like my knee-jerk thought is like merging consciousness is just part of the program you know what i mean like this conglomeration of like of of like thinking like a group it's almost like it's almost like um, people are, it's like people are simplifying. And so there's like a couple, you know, powerful ways of thinking that are emerging up and crushing all the other ones, like companies, like big companies mm. crush small companies, mm. you know? And then now it's like, as they're getting bigger, it's like that, that thinking like everybody else is not something to be resisted. It's something to be, uh, watched because it can be unhealthy. Part of the process. Things get too big. I mean, it's the it's the Tower of Babel. Yeah. So, the internet is like the Tower of Babel. It's like we're all speaking the same language again. Yeah. And not not really, but the principle. Information. Yeah, the flow of information is absurdly fast. Mm-hmm. Well, say absurdly fast. I don't know. I don't know what it's going to be in a hundred years, but it's faster than it's ever been. So more people have access to more information, but it also creates like a, cause it's not experienced information. Whereas like, you know, back in the day, like exploring the frontier meant you had to get up and take your physical body and go into a, a different physical space mm. that you're unfamiliar with. And that's a different, that's different than reading it in a textbook. And that's different than reading it online. Yeah. It's true. You can, you can really like throw ideas around in your head whenever you're on the internet so easily. And back then it was life or death. So there wasn't, that wasn't done flippantly. You could, you can read about how to fight a bear, (laughs) but that doesn't mean you know how to fight a bear. Yeah. That's so interesting. But yeah, my, my gut says that that's not something to be feared, you know? People are, this is supposed to be, I feel like it's supposed to be happening. Yeah. And it's going to be good in the long run, but there's going to be some. There's got to be some healthy respect. Yeah. Developed for it. Yeah. We get into spiral dynamics. I'm getting a better understanding of spiral dynamics now. When we get into that, I think we'll be able to, at least I'll be able to speak to a lot of like 
how it fits together. Mm. Like how, uh, how the people, like there's going to be, the reality is there's going to be certain people who see it and like how it works together. And then there's going to be certain people who don't. And th- those are the, the more like tribal people who are going to fall in the, fall into the trap of playing the different sides. Yeah. They get, they get stuck on a team basically and they will die for that camp. Yeah. They um, will literally. Yeah. That's the camp they're going to die on. <laughs> the hill they're going to die on. Um, but, uh, there's a, there's a role that each, you know, position in spiral dynamics has to play in order for things to progress. Yeah. We're progressing towards something and I don't think anybody knows what it is, but we're moving in a direction for sure. It was interesting hearing everybody, not everybody, but there was a few people at the Christmas gathering that I was at in Alabama that were talking about the Enneagram. And of course I come over like a bug to flame. (laughs) I'm like, what are, I was like, are you guys talking about the Enneagram? They're like, yeah, yeah, we're talking about the Enneagram. And apparently Emily's parents are trying to get her, their daughter, Emily's sister and boyfriend, Emily's sister and her boyfriend, not her sister and her boyfriend. (laughs) She's trying to get, they're trying to get Emily's younger sister and her, and her boyfriend to to figure out what their numbers are. I guess they feel like it's been helpful to them (laughs) in their marriage. And it's trickled down. Mm. Although I think my father-in-law has misidentified himself. I mean, the chances are, uh, I love my father-in-law, but I'll tell you my thinking too. He, he thinks he's a five, but I think that he's a six with a five wing because, because like two big things of his personality are, I see a lot of like, um, I see a lot of nine in him he likes like fantasy stuff a lot. And if he were a six, that would explain his nine. That would explain why he feels like he has five ish tendencies, you know, cause he sees some five and he's like, Oh, I see that in myself. And then I think he's a, he doesn't see a six because if you're a three or six or a nine, it's really hard to see and like really hard to look at. It's easier to observe those five characteristics. They're more quirky. They stand out brighter color. Yeah, I think there's some tendency too, like with even with me and you, the social conditioning for men, we're taught that knowing stuff is a form of security, which it is. But I think probably some some of us take that to heart. Oh, totally. Others. In our culture, fives are I think are highly admired. I mean, because they're we we pride ourselves on being a kind of scientific culture. I think fives are valued. That five perspective is also a way for managing all of our moral worldview differences. And so the five is looked up to. I think I, I wanted to be a five, and that's why I originally thought I was a five. Um, yeah. And I don't, I don't think – I think I have some five-ish tendencies. Like fives are like unemotional and distant. Threes can be that way too, but it's just for a different reason. Mm -hmm. Threes are like, I got to shove all these emotions down so I can continue to win. Mm -hmm. And then there's a couple other things like that that I I thought were five-ish. Measured energy was another reason I thought that I was a five. I'm real measured with my energy. I think threes are that way and nines are that way as well, but for different reasons. Mm -hmm. I measure my energy because 
I need enough to continue to win <laughs> and continue to like, I'm like, I got to get up at five in the morning and write. And I'm doing this podcast stuff. I can't be saying hi to everybody. I can't be at everybody's party, everybody's friend. I'm, hmm. Cause I'm grinding. Hmm. Um, and so I thought I was a five because of those behaviors were there, but the underlying reason was a different reason. Yeah. I don't have the grind bug. <clears throat> And I don't have a domain like a five. I'm too, too all over the place. I'm too scattered. Yeah, I have the, I don't know that I have a domain. I guess like this would be my domain. But it's it's a very, uh, it's not a very narrow, it's not a niche. I wouldn't say like, it's not like a specific skill or area of expertise. It's like, a, I, view, I view what we're talking about as like a, a, uh, a catalyst for all knowledge. Like it puts everything in order so that everything makes sense. Yeah. Or in alignment rather. It's, in alignment. It, that's interesting. It, it makes me obsessive about it. Yeah. There's definitely like a big, a new structure emerging for understanding knowledge. Strange, yes. strange times, brave new world. Yeah. Well, I mean, it has to, because there's so much information and knowledge yeah. out there now. Not all of it's, immediately relevant it makes me think about like uh i don't know i feel like my mind always goes to business maybe that's bad but like when a business has a problem like a production problem they're like all right we've got way more orders than we can even deal with it's like we need to imagine a whole new system we need to like build a machine that can do this 10 times faster than people can do it and i feel like people are building that machine just because of the information overload yeah we adapt I was talking to somebody today and I pointed out that human beings, human beings themselves adapt, like our biological systems adapt to our environment. But I think we're probably the only ones who have the ability to, from an evolutionary standpoint, continually adapt our environment to uh, make things easier on ourselves. Yeah. Oh, but does it really make it easier? Though? Right. Well, everything comes <laughs> That's to the, the question. Well, okay. So no, Peterson presents it this way. He says, uh, we're the only ones that have the capacity to understand sacrifice. He's going through those, these biblical lectures and he's saying that, uh, it's universal. Like human beings understand the, um, the process of bargaining with the universe. Yeah. So like, we know that the psychological process of, what do you say? Like deferring pleasure? Uh, uh, shoot, there's a word for it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> delayed gratification. Delayed maybe? gratification. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We understand that with delayed gratification, we can basically invest in the future and get more later than we could get now. Yeah. Is that where these lectures lead? No, that's one of many points you make. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm missing links like in the way to that talk. Like I'm still reeling from listening to the first like 25 minutes. I haven't even listened to the whole thing. He is like, it's horrifying. <laughs> he is so smart as a three. Every time I see somebody who's like successful, I'm like, how old are they? How do they get where they are? Uh, how, how am I doing in relation to them? Um, how can I keep pace? And I look at a guy like that, and he's just in a whole nother world. Peterson is decades beyond. I, I think most people, just because of like the prowess of his intellect, 
I think most people can't uh, both follow and integrate the things he's teaching. Yeah. Um, and I think we need like the types of tools that we're, we're talking about to be able to, to even like begin to implement what he's talking about. Yeah. He's, he's working on stuff too. Yeah. He's always working on stuff, but that's part of the, that's part of his genius. You can tell he's always tearing it down and building it again and tearing it down and building it again. Mm-hmm. He does it for 20 years before he decides to say anything. Yeah. It's insane. There's all these characters now uh, that are gaining popularity. Like you've got, you've got Jocko Willink, you've got Simon Sinek. You've got, is Jocko kind of, uh, is he kind of like uh new agey, like conscious, I feel like Jocko's more like intensity, yes. productivity. Yes. Yeah. But never mind, you're not relating them. I'm sorry. I no, yeah, they're just them. they're current characters yeah. who are evolving this modern world. Um you've got yeah, you've got people like that who are kind of like they're the leaders. They're the leaders of our generation, I feel like. Yep. I forgot. What I was Without question, dude, I can tell you who they, like who some of them are in my mind, in my life, like who I've been exposed to. Like Peterson is easily the biggest influence by like miles. Uh, ben Bergeron. Bergeron is, yeah, Bergeron in the fitness world. I feel like you feel like everywhere. Have you listen to his podcast. No, like leadership it's in general. Incredible. He's just got like everybody on there. He's like, a, <laughs> he's like he's he's got the. Uh, he is an expression of the the discipline, the principal discipline that Peterson talks about. Mm. Like he is like, at least appears to be like the quintessential human being. Interesting, incredible. I need to I need to do more merge around. Like I'm terrible about taking suggestions. Some people are like you should read this book. I'm like in the back of my mind, I'm like God, that sounds so boring. Like <laughs> I'm not even a little bit interested. But every time I, I take a suggestion like that. I feel like it pays off well. Uh, I feel like Russell Brand has got the loudest addiction voice right now. Mm. And and like, uh, yeah, talking about addiction, substance abuse, and uh, he's kind of got his own little agenda, but I feel like that's his audience and everybody who's getting caught in his net is like people who struggle with like addiction. Um, because he went through 12 steps and like changed his life around and became this kind of spiritual guru. And his thing is like, decentralization of power and something else love and compassion decentralization of power love and compassion i think are his two big ones the Tao. yeah he's, he's become kind of mystical but his 12 steps things made him that way because i guess one of the steps is like connect with a higher power or something like that i don't know yeah well peterson mentioned that he said that one of the main or one of the the most i'll say it's just uh, i'll say i'll say predictable but we're like from a scientific standpoint, one of the most surefire ways to for a person to like biologically move beyond addiction, like I'm not gonna say suddenly, but more quickly. Yeah. Than you might typically assume is religious conversion. That's very interesting. Which I think like for somebody like me. I don't know that I am capable of being religiously converted anymore. Mm. Not in the I understand traditional why, sense. Why you say that? But it's like it's almost had the opposite effect on me. 
Like it has made my traditional, my kind of post, you know, fanatical, dogmatic religious ideologies come alive. It's like, I'm, yeah. it's like I'm seeing them for the first time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I definitely have that. But it also may, it also put me in a position where like I can see through the veil. Um, and now I also understand through spiral dynamics that uh, like the, or and the Enneagram that like the commitment to, or even like with CrossFit, the commitment to a process is essential to the human psyche, the development of the human psyche. And so I did commit myself to a yeah. process, but it wasn't a, it wasn't a, an established process. And yeah. so like I, I decided that the process for me was going to be me wandering out into the wilderness on my own and facing like seeing what happened and learning that way. Speaking of, uh, speaking of how many times I just said, yeah, <laughs> I listened to that podcast, the last episode, episode one. And I was like, say yeah, one more time. <laughs> Oh my gosh, I've got to stop doing that. I need like you to have a, a bottle of water and spray my face like a cat whenever I say, yeah, I need to not do that. Yeah. Yeah. What else was annoying in the podcast? Uh, dude, that that uh, HVAC kicking on, did you, uh, have you listened to it? No. It sounds like an airplane is taking <laughs> off. We're talking and it's just like, wow. <laughs> And then it quiets down, but I was like, oh, that's so bad. But it is what it is. Mark, marks of amateurs. That's right. We are amateurs. <laughs> We're learning. One, one episode at a time. Yeah. I think we should wait and then every year or two just delete everything we've done <laughs> for a year or two. And be like, no. all right, here we go. Back to the drawing board. No, I've, I go to the beginning of people's podcasts on purpose. To listen to them and see if I like them at the beginning, because <laughs> yeah. if I don't like like their energy at the beginning, I don't. I probably won't be interested later. It's interesting that you say that because, like, I listen to Russell Brand's podcast, and it's changed so much this season. Like from season one to season two, he's got like this like more elaborate intro music, and mm. the sponsorship stuff's more uh, is like louder. And I'm like, oh, you didn't sell out, but this is different. It's really, really different. And like he had Tony Robbins on. I was really excited about that episode. I just feel like I didn't feel like I didn't get anything new out of it. Mm -hmm. I was like, yeah, okay. I didn't learn anything new about Tony. I didn't he didn't I just didn't take me there. And I was kind of disappointed by that. He's had a couple good good uh he said some good good guests on there. He had a guest on there to talk about trauma. This might have been the last season, not this season. But I think that we need to develop a theory of trauma. Maybe there is some strong theory that you've read of trauma in the Enneagram. Oh, it's extremely powerful. So there's a basic principle that uh, Peterson talks about. He's, he points out that he's a, I mean, he's a clinical psychologist, so he's exposed to these things like in a scientifically measurable way. He points out that from his observations, humans are uh, more than capable and extremely resilient to more than capable of handling and extremely resilient to trauma. But what they don't recover from, or like they don't ever like really bounce back from is malevolence being betrayed mm. by another person that they 
trusted, yeah. chose to trust. He talks about that. He starts planting seeds in order in uh, his order and chaos lecture. Yeah. So, and if you think about that, I mean, essentially what? That is like trauma. To be betrayed by somebody that you Yeah, trust. yeah, yeah. But yeah, and he speaks to it and in, in like, he's specifically, I don't know, I may be mixing things up, but he's talking about like uh, a hurricane, Hurricane Katrina. He's like, people recover from that. Like, there's a lot of trauma and pain that happens in those events, but people bounce back because mm-hmm. we don't, like our natural propensity is not to assume that nature has it out for mankind. Yeah. But if some a person who you chose to trust shows that they very clearly have every intention of hurting you intentionally, like that's something different to the human psyche. And it it, it it's traumatizing. Yeah. It's yeah. something you, you don't bounce back from. I am so fascinated as I learn more about myself because <clears throat> because like my inner child is a six. And that's so ironic because I don't trust anyone. I don't even want to call people for a favor. Like, can you come pick me up real quick? It's raining. I don't feel like riding my bike home. I don't want to call somebody for a favor because I don't want to feel like I have to owe anybody anything. That sounds like two stuff. It's like, maybe so, actually, now that I think about it, yeah. But, like, I think that it's interesting that I am everything but, like, I am fearful of being loyal to people. I'm fearful of what it will cost. And that is, I feel like who I am when I'm most free and secure is a loyal person. Mm -hmm. But it's almost like I've killed that part of myself and and have focused so much more on like the money and achieving and making sure my life is stable and being independent. It's crazy that the core of who I am is a person who is loyal and who's like trying to keep everybody around me safe like a six. And that I am the total opposite of that. Like it makes me, that's when I realized I was like, we need to talk about trauma. Cause at some point, mm-hmm. I bet you if I talked to a therapist long enough, I could figure it out. Something happened to me that made me feel insecure most of the time. Well, and maybe that's wrong. I mean, maybe I was a nine and it pushes you to three, you know? Well, okay. So I don't know if we're getting too personal here, but when you told me you were three and I reread it, like immediately a lot of dots got connected because <laughs> I was looking back and I was like, you were put in a position with me. Um, I don't mean this in like a braggy way, but like school was easy for me. Yeah. And so I just kind of like, like getting good grades was easy and I constantly got praised for it. And so that's what I continued to do, even though I, like, as I matured, I didn't really care for school, but getting good grades was easy and it got me praise and respect for my parents. So that's what I did. But you were put in a position as like, you were right behind me and you saw me getting all this praise. Not only, not only was I, was school easy for me, but I was just a naturally obedient child. Mm-hmm. And I heard my mom tell a story a thousand times about how, like when I was, two or three years old, she could sit me in a room and I would, she would say, uh, you know, I'll be back in a little while, just play with these toys and stay right here. And that's what I would do. I would, she said that I would pee my pants if I couldn't get the toilet seat up because she taught me not to pee with the toilet seat. So I just had this natural propensity for 
uh, pleasing figures of authority, um, <laughs> which is consistent with my type. And uh, so, so yeah, it was easy for me to to get mom and dad's uh, favor. And you were always like in the shadow of that. Yeah. And so, if you're a three, if you're if you're well, if you're base type, that would make your inner child a six. Yeah. But if you're if you're pushed into being a three, so if you're a three, if your base type becomes a three, then you're constantly in the shadow of my apparent achievement. Yeah. Even though I was usually dissatisfied with yeah. who I was being. You saw me receiving praise from our authority figures. And at some point, I think a switch just flipped for you. You were like, I'm never going to be, I'm never going to get that praise. That's so my four. just gave up. That's my four right there. <laughs> I was like, screw it. I'm going to play a different game. I'm going to just steal everybody's stuff. I'm going to be a rat. I'm just going to do whatever I want to do. That's where I snapped. That's where the four comes in. And I got dark. It got dark. I was like soaking in the corner. God dang it. Yeah. No, yeah, nobody were, understands me. You were a monster child. I was evil, man. It could. That's that's interesting analysis. Interesting to hear from your side. Like something definitely happened to me to move me. Like whenever I feel like I just was thinking about my inner child, and I was like, "How different is that for me now?" Like the first word that came to my mind was trauma. I was like, well, "There needs to be. You shouldn't talk about the enneagram without touching trauma." Yeah. To some degree. Yeah. Because we all have trauma. And the guy was talking about, the guy on that Russell Brand podcast was like, he was like, there are all these psychological theories in the world. None of them take into consideration trauma. Or very few of them take into consideration trauma. Trauma is some this accessory thing that sometimes is talked about. But trauma should be integrated into, yeah, dude, listen to the podcast. It's crazy. He's like, trauma should be integrated as like a part of the, the base framework for everything behavioral that we talk about. Absolutely. And he, he actually starts to talk specifically. He's like, here's this program. Here's what they do. Like 12 steps is about like, he talks about 12 steps, for example. 12 steps is about moving forward. It's never about what happened when you were three that made you become such a heavy drinker in the first, first place. And he's saying, this is a critical part to of the picture. And he starts talking about it like multiple be, psychobehavioral changing tools and he's like none of these things talk about trauma and he's like this needs to be a thing and he's probably the loudest voice talking about trauma and that's why i think russell had him in but it's really interesting mm. what's this guy's name i would look it up we need a guy like jamie on joe rogan look that up look that up when we have two microphones i guess i can click around yeah we, i mean we were talking about we ran into this today not today in the past couple weeks discussions with uh couple guys at the gym we're trying to start this new program and uh because adam is a counselor he's studying to be a psychologist and we're doing this mindset course and he explicitly expressed i told him i was like i've had some really good discussions with some people about like their childhood and how how their experience with their parents basically like set up their beliefs for life and he's your gym yeah Oh, wow. And uh, he explicitly said, he's like, yeah, that's the kind of stuff that we like need to stay away from in this course. Because you don't know 
it's Pandora's box with some people. Like you don't know what you're about to unleash. Like you could interesting. Be, you with with trauma, you get into uh, like uh, what do you call it? Like psych, like psychosis, like. <laughs> yeah like it's the reason like trauma is the reason for addiction and and yeah unhealthy tendencies it's things that we haven't like wounds we haven't healed i was listening to a, a tony robbins talk one time and this girl came up and talked about her problem which had something to do with her boyfriend i don't remember but tony robbins said something to the effect of like who told you that or like where did you get that belief he was like and she answered and he was like no no specifically like think back like to an experience and this girl just started breaking down crying hysterically yeah, yeah. and i was like whoa yeah. i was like whoa and yeah when adam said that i just kind of stayed quiet but i was thinking and then i had the conversation with another guy who's got experience in this stuff but not training he's got experience chris uh i was like or he mentioned he's like you know maybe in his world because he's in the consulting kind of counseling but not not like professional counseling but he's in that world but he doesn't have the professional training mm -hmm. and so there's a contrast between him and adam where adam knows that there's like there needs to be a healthy perspective on these boundaries because yeah. like you may access parts of people that could like cause some sort of eruption or meltdown or you know you can send people off the rails if you push the wrong button yeah um but chris was you know chris is in a position where he's like he was never taught that but he does understand that that stuff does have to be accessed in order for there to be like real change yeah and i'm kind of in the same position when adam said that i was like well like that's kind of like that's what i'm getting at when we like, when you get into a, like workouts as grueling as CrossFit, you're getting people into their most emotionally and mentally vulnerable oh, yeah. states. Like you come right up to the boundary, <laughs> you brush, you brush your elbow with it. You got ugly face on. <laughs> you, you, you just oh, it's so vulnerable. You I mean, can't, you can't care about what you. It's look like. like being naked in front of people. Yeah, it's like being on stage naked in front of people, and you're just horrified, <laughs> and all you want to do is run away. That's how it feels when you're in the last two minutes of a CrossFit workout. Yeah, and so Adam said that, and I'm like, well, like we kind of have to get into that a little <laughs> bit, at least a little bit. Like we got to, you know, you have to hit that chord with people in order for them to access what, because you know. I mentioned in the episode one, the 95.5 number would come up. Uh, if 95% of our behavior is based on triggered patterns, and this is like a psychological, like scientifically proven thing, most of our behavior is automatic. Yeah. And it's, based on certain patterns. Yep. It's the software that just, you get the trigger, software runs, boom. reacts. Um, you have to get into what's triggering like number one what is the software that's running and number two what triggers it and why and how and then from there you can start to reprogram it but if you attack the the behaviors themselves then it's like it's so like, what you're saying is adam can write me a prescription for drugs <laughs> <laughs> if i need adderall go to adam <sighs> if i need personal intervention that's going to change my life Go to Chris. Well, I mean, not to discredit 
I'm not discrediting. I'm joking. It's a joke, man. Uh, Chris and Adam, if you're listening, Chris, I'm sure you could, you could, if you wanted to, you could get the stuff to prescribe me prescription drugs. Adam, I'm sure you could change my life. You've already changed my life. <laughs> did you send this to Adam? I did. I don't know. That, I don't know he probably didn't listen. That. This is not official enough for Adam. He's got to have the. <laughs> There's no credentials involved. Ain't <laughs> hey, no credentials up in her, man. Just some some bean bags. Uh, some Knob Creek. Yeah, some. Is that what it's called? Or? Yeah, Knob Creek. Some. Uh, that's about it. Laptop. <laughs> Bootleg microphone. <laughs> oh, some Paw Patrol cards over here. Yeah. Oh, we should probably do some work. Yeah. Yeah. Or maybe this is the work. It all counts. I'm not sure.